Good morning and welcome to all of you. It's kind of nice to be back on a regular schedule again, isn't it? I just want to say thank you for accommodating and being flexible through the Christmas and New Year's Day. You know, when, when, when all that falls on a Sunday, we, we just have to make some decisions. And I, I'm telling you, we don't always get it right, but we try to make decisions based on what is good for the whole and for the staff. And so I just appreciate you being flexible with us over the holidays. And I also want to say to you, I, I want to issue a, an apology. If you came to the Christmas Eve service at 3.30 or 3 o'clock and could not get in, we are working really, really hard to come up with creative solutions to manage our Christmas Eve crowd. It was amazing. We just uh, really did not expect that many people to show up at that time. And uh, we are working that. I'll tell you right now, we're already talking about Christmas Eve 2023. So we're making some plans for that. But we really, I know some of you came and uh, the doors were closed because we were filled to capacity in here safety-wise, and I know some of you left and went home. We don't ever want that to happen, so we're working at trying to create some options for that as well. By the way, that was not only a problem here, it was also a problem at some other campuses. We had over 20, 2,800 people at our Grand Point Christmas Eve services, which was kind of amazing, and it's just, it's just humbling to know that we have, we have that kind of a reach to introduce the light of Jesus Christ to that many people. So what a blessing, but we are working on that. Uh, our Christmas Eve offering that went out to the community was over $111,000. So thanks to, it was amazing. Um, absolutely amazing. Thanks. Thanks to your generosity, uh, and 100% of that went right back into our community, and that's what we're here for, here to serve our community locally and globally, and I just want to thank you so much for being here. I want to welcome the online audience. How about a church if we give our online audience a brand new New Year's welcome? Thank you for joining us this morning. It's good to have you here. I just learned it, uh, I just learned this past week that we have some people watching from Oklahoma. I'm not sure if you're watching today, but if you are, welcome. Uh, students from colleges, others, we just love our online audience. Thank you for joining us. Uh, here this morning. I just have a couple announcements that I want to tell you, and then we're going to jump right into the message. But January introduces some new things here at Grand Point Church. Out in the lobby today, there's a table set up for regeneration and re-engage ministries. Both of those are ministries that are brand new to our church, launching this week. We're working through some pilot programs. Re-engage is a marriage ministry. And again, this is not only for marriages that are struggling and trouble, right? If you have a very healthy marriage, right, you have something that you can contribute to this ministry because we need your role models, we need your insight, we need your wisdom and experience. And that begins on Wednesday evening, February the 1st. But there's a sign-up sheet if you would like to register for that, or if you just want to know more about it, stop out there. There's some people out there that have been through the pilot group, and uh, they'd be happy to talk to you. Regeneration. Do you know what regeneration means? Anybody know what that means? It means to be born again, right? So regeneration is born again. By the way, I'm going to talk to you about that this morning uh, in our message time. But th this, this ministry is for those who want a new start right? Uh, a fresh start to something in their lives. It doesn't mean that you have to be addicted to anything like alcohol, drugs. That's not a fully, I mean, this is a re our recovery ministry, but it means that if you just want to be a part of something new in your life and you want God to begin something new, this is for you. Regeneration kind of works like a church service. They have some worship, they have some amazing testimonies, and then you move into some small groups just to discuss life at a really, really deep level. So all of that is happening. And one more thing uh, on January January 15th, 
uh, we are having what is called a get to know Grand Point night. We realize that new people come into our church all the time. We just want you to know who we are. We want you to, we want to introduce you to the staff. We want to tell you about our vision, uh, about our values, who we are. We want to answer your questions. So we're hosting a dinner on January 15th at six o'clock PM. You can come sit at some round tables and we'll have table hosts there. It's just kind of a mixer. Uh, for you to get to know Grand Point. This is not our membership process at this time. Uh, this is just to get to know Grand Point. So if you would love to be part of that, again, just sign up for that as well. Uh, one more thing. So I had, a, I had a birthday on December 23rd. It's my birthday right before Christmas. I got to share you one of the gifts that my kids got me. Uh, I'm getting a lot older. And uh, so they got, they, they got me this little walker thing. So, so you know, yeah, they, they thought this was, they thought this was like funny, right? <laughs> that they would give this to me. So I turned 63, uh, and, uh, so they thought I needed this walker, but actually received this with great honor. And here's why. Now I'm going to say this in all seriousness today. There's some people that come into this church, into this room with walkers. Maybe you're in a chair. Uh, maybe you have a cane, whatever it is. You, you know what I realized that all, all of this simply means that you're at a place in your life where you need assistance, right? Maybe for stability, maybe just to get around, but it's also requiring a little bit of extra work for you, but you're here. You are here. You are putting that extra effort in to life right now, getting up in the morning, getting your walk or getting your chair or whatever. And I so, so appreciate your commitment and your dedication to being here, even in spite of that, that separate, that special work that you do. So for all of you who have these walkers, chairs, canes, I want you to know that you are very special people. You are admired. Never, never hesitate to bring your walk or your chair to church because uh, we welcome you here. So I may not need this yet, but when I do, I want to be just like you. All right. So there we go. That's my gift. Darn kids. Anyway. Hey, I have, uh, I, there's, there's more great things that I want to talk to you about, but I'm going to save that for some other time. I'm going to spread this out a little bit because I want to talk to you about this new message series. Uh, this brand new message series is called Much Fruit. And uh, I want you to just, I don't know what comes to your mind when you think about that, but it answers the question to the most, it answers, it gives an answer to the most basic question of life. All throughout history, people have been asking the question, what am I here for? What is the meaning of life? What is my purpose? Like, and, and so you might be asking that as well. What, what are we doing here? Well, this message series answers that question. And for all the answers that have been given down throughout history, uh, psychologically, uh, theologically or whatever, I, I believe the answer to the question that best answers this uh, to the best of our ability is that we are here to glorify God. That's why we're here. That's why, that's why we're here. We just sang about that. We want to bring, bring God glory. In fact, the Westminster Confession says, you know, the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And so this is wonderful. It makes a great creed. It makes a great statement. It great, makes a great, uh, you know, it sounds wonderful, but what does this mean? So I want to talk today uh, to you about what this means because we can say that. Our, we're, I just want to glorify God with my life. I just, uh, you know, that's, that's what we do. That's what we're here for. But I want you to understand what that means. And to help us with that, I'm going to go to a conversation that Jesus had with his disciples uh, on the night that he was betrayed. He's meeting with his disciples and he starts talking about the vine and the branches now, that would have been a very uh, common thing, a very understood language and picture in Palestine because vineyards were everywhere. So the disciples would have immediately known about vine and branches. 
And then Jesus said, listen, I want you to understand my relationship to you. Here's what I am to you. And then he said this, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Now, I think we all know that fruit does not come from the vine. Fruit comes off the branches. So Jesus said to those branches, uh, to, those, uh, to the disciples, here's what he said to them in John chapter 15, uh, verse 8. He says, by this, my Father is glorified. Remember, that's, that's our goal. That's what we want to do. That's what we say is the most important thing. It's why we're here, to glorify God. And so Jesus said to his disciples, these branches, he said, by this is my father glorified that ye bear, that you bear, what? Say it to, say it with me, much fruit. You bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. So how do you glorify God? How do you become a Christ-like disciple? By bearing fruit? No, by bearing much fruit, much fruit. Now, before we talk about that, I think we need to define what fruit is because the word fruit will bring all kinds of images to your mind. Most of us have, have grown up or live here in Franklin County, so we know about orchards, right? We know about apple orchards, and we know about the downtown Chambersburg Apple Fest in October where there's apple pie, apple butter, apple, you know, whatever, apple cider, all kinds of good things because it's all fruit, right? So, so we know about that. Maybe your image is uh, well-stocked produce aisle out of BJ's or, you know, tar Target, Giant, whatever it is. Uh, but what does fruit mean when Jesus talks about it as something that you and I are to bear with our lives? What does that fruit look like? Well, Paul addresses this in the book of Galatians chapter five. And I think he gives us a glimpse of what this fruit might be like. And in Galatians chapter five, he says this. He says, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, right? That is the much fruit perhaps that we are to bear with our lives. Now, just, just one clarifying point. When you read this, it is not the fruits of the spirit. It is the fruit of the spirit. In fact, so this is not like a pick and choose selection where you're like, you're going to the grocery store. So I'm going to get some apples and grapes today, but no mangoes, right? Uh, so we kind of pick and choose what fruits we get. This is not a list of fruit where you can say, okay, I'm going to do good with love and joy today, but this patience thing, man, that's out of reach for me. So I'm not even going to try that. Forget self-control, right? That's way down. That's way out of reach. No, Jesus is basically saying this. Listen, if I'm the vine and you're the branches, your life is able, capable of bearing much fruit. All of it. All of it. Now, you might be thinking today, wow, that's not possible, is it? I want to tell you today it is. It is. And so for the next eight weeks, I'm going to be talking about what is required for you in your life and in my life to bear much fruit. What does it take? What does it take for us to do that? Because it seems out of reach, right? That's a, that's a pretty incredible list. That's an outcome that is uh, beyond most of us, but it, it doesn't have to be. So here's what we need. The, the, the very first thing that you need in order to bear much fruit is a supernatural change of nature. Hang on to that for a moment because I want to talk about what that is. You need a supernatural change of nature. Why? Here's why. In the book of 2 Corinthians or 1 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, the writer says, Paul writes this, and he begins defining a particular person and he describes this person as the natural person. The natural person. Just, just get a picture now, the natural person. Natural in that particular text is, is the Greek word sukakos, which is translated natural, physical, or psychological. 
right? So it's really where we get our word psychology. So what he's describing is the natural person, the human nature, right? This is what you're born with. You're born with this personality. You're born with this temperament. You have these skills. You have these abilities. That is your nature, right? The natural person. Now, the natural person is able to do a lot of things, but watch this. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 says, the natural person does not, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, they're foolishness to him, and he or she is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Now, the natural person, by God's design, is able to do a lot of things. Like in our human nature, human nature, people don't even know Christ, can speak a lot of different languages, which is amazing, right? We can perform uh, intricate surgeries on the human body. We can design and invent mechanical gadgets. We can, uh, we can design and execute and, and uh, you know, build these amazing bridges, which is all kinds of things. We can run marathons. We can set records and we can break records. We can do a lot of things in our, in our natural condition. But the one thing, the one thing that we cannot do is understand and accept the spiritual things from God. You just can't do it. So now this creates a little bit of a problem, doesn't it? Because this much fruit that we are to bear is not the fruit of the natural man. It's not the fruit of reason. It's not the fruit of Pastor Lawrence. No, it's not the fruit of this church. No, it's the fruit of the what? Spirit. So it's, it's the spiritual life that we're supposed to live. It's the spiritual life that is going to manifest this fruit. But the natural person has a total inability to do that. So we're caught in this, in this dilemma. So uh, bearing much fruit is what we're supposed to do, but our human nature does not permit us to do that. So here are the options. First option is, okay, we can just live as the natural person. We can just live with our human nature. Right, that's it. That's it. But I'll tell you what we're gonna do. Then we're gonna we're gonna look at this list of the fruits of the spirit. I mean, we want that in our lives, don't we? Most of us want love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness, self-control. We we want that in our lives. So in our natural state, we're gonna work really hard to produce that. We're gonna strive and we're gonna work for it. We're gonna we're gonna zoom in on one of these things. We're gonna make New Year's resolutions around them and and, and all of that. That's that's hard work. Because we're going to start something. We're going to fail something, right? But, but that's, that's, that's one option to live. Or option number two is we can allow for a supernatural change of nature to happen within our lives. And when you do that, the Spirit of God now moves in and you become this spiritual person rather than just a natural person. Now, I want to recommend option number two, by the way, and tell, I want to tell you how that happens. So in the passage that Barry read this morning from John chapter three, we were introduced to a man by the name of Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a uh, religious leader, uh, or was he, he was a Pharisee, which is a prominent religious leader. But in fact, he was more than that. It says he was a member of the Sanhedrin. This is like a Navy SEAL Pharisee. Right, He's at the top of the list. He's at the top. He, there's no more rungs on the ladder for him to climb. He is the master teacher of the Sanhedrin or, or, or the Pharisees. And so it, verse three, 2 says, this man came to Jesus by night. John, for whatever reason, wants us to know what time of the day it was. So speculation is, okay, well, maybe, I don't know, maybe Nicodemus just didn't 
was ashamed to be seen with Jesus. Maybe he didn't want his other Navy SEAL, you know, Pharisee buddies to know that he's hanging out with Jesus. We're not quite sure why he came at night, but my, my guess is maybe he just wanted this private conversation with Jesus. So he didn't want other people around. He didn't want the paparazzi there. So he came by night and he says in verse two, he went up to Jesus and he said, Rabbi. This is the very first time in the Gospel of John that Jesus is called Rabbi. He's been called Logos. He's been called Messiah. He's been called the Lamb of God. But this is the first time that he's been called Rabbi. Now, it's a very respectful name. It's actually a name that is very true because Rabbi means teacher and Jesus was a teacher. But I, I think it's horribly insufficient because Jesus was more than a teacher, right? He was the Messiah. He was the Savior. But in Nicodemus's mind and in his profession, he looked at him as a teacher. And, G and Nicodemus goes to Jesus and he's like, all right, Jesus, you know, we've kind of been thinking about this. My, my buddies and I, we've been talking about this. And verse two, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So I believe here's what Nicodemus is saying. He's like, hey, Jesus, you know, we want to recognize that you, you've got game. Right, we see, we see what talent you have here and we see how people are attracted to your skills and your talent, how all these people are following you. And, and we'd just like you to bring those skills to our team. Right? I mean, we've got, we've got this teaching team and I believe your skills would fit really well in, in the, in the strategic plan of the Sanhedrin. So we'd like you to come on board with us. Now, it doesn't say that exactly, a little bit of speculation here, but based on Jesus' response and I think how the Pharisees thought and kind of where they were, this, this may be true. So, so Nicodemus says, Jesus, come on board with us. We'll coach you and we'll teach you, right, in these life skills. And, uh, and together we can have this fruitful ministry. Now, I love that Jesus doesn't even acknowledge a single thing that Nicodemus says. He just looks at him looks right at him. And in verse three, he says, truly, truly, I say to you, Nicodemus, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You see what Jesus just did? He answered a question that Nicodemus wasn't even asking. Like Nicodemus didn't come up to Jesus and sit down with him and say, Jesus, man, I, I just really want to know what, what is required for someone to see the kingdom of God or to enter the kingdom of God. It's not what he was asking. He didn't even say that at all. But Jesus knew exactly uh, the religiosity of the Sanhedrin, right? He knew how committed they were to the law. I mean, their religion was based on performance, on how well you followed their rules. Like their rule of thumb was, you know, we don't smoke, we don't chew, and we don't run with girls who do, right? Kind of like that thing. It was this external list, external list of, of things that they do. And as long as you do all these things or don't do these things, you're good. That's kind of how the Pharisees ruled. That's how they operated. And Jesus knew that. Their, fruit, their fruits of righteousness were based on human efforts. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. No, if you want to see, not, not, not just enter, but if you want to see the kingdom of God, you must be born again. Now, hang on to that for a moment because G Nicodemus now asks a question that maybe a lot of us are asking as well. He says in verse four, how can a man be born when he is old. He throws in a little bit of humor here. He's like, can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Like, like he can't be serious, right? I think he's being facetious. And when are you facetious? You're, you're facetious when you're kind of annoyed, 
right? When, when you're on the defense, when you're a little bit uncomfortable. And so I think he pulls out this crazy picture and Jesus and says, Jesus, how in the world can this happen? You're talking about being born again? How does, how does this happen? And Jesus is not deterred at all by this. He knows Nicodemus' heart and he looks him right in the eye and he says in verse five, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now watch this. He says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, the natural person, born once kind of person, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit, a spiritual nature, born again. So he sets up the two, the two ways that you can live your, your life here. And then he says this, do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. What Jesus just communicated is the fact that there are two ways for you to live your life, right? Number one, you can live it on the basis of your human nature. Everyone in this room was born once. I think I'm right about that. I know I'm right about that. You were born once. You were born a natural person. Now, I'm hoping that everyone in this room was born again, but maybe, maybe you haven't been, and, and that, that's okay. We're going to be talking about that for a moment. But what Jesus is saying is, is, is this, uh, you know, you were born in the flesh, number one. Now watch this. Let me go back to Galatians. Remember that part of the Bible that talks about the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and all that. Let me go back to that, and I want to show you what that text says. Galatians chapter 5, verse 17 says, For the desires of the flesh, that's the natural person, human nature, the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these two things are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. Now remember, remember the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self, self-control, right? It doesn't matter how much you desire that for your life. Your flesh, the human nature, is opposed to it. It's not gonna let it happen. So if you ever feel like you're in a constant battle to bear that kind of fruit, that's why. It's not a natural byproduct of the flesh. In fact, the text in Galatians says this, and let me read this from the paraphrase of the message. It says, now the works of the flesh are repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage, frenzied and joyous, joyless grabs for happiness, Trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfying once, a brutal temper, an impotence to love or be loved, divided homes and divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habits of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of communion, and Paul says, I could go on and on. That's ugly, isn't it? That's kind of ugly. It's ugly because it's all been tainted by sin. That's the human nature, right? We're all born into sin. We're all born with this human nature. Now, I know know it's hard to believe because we have all these beautiful, sweet little babies, right, that we celebrate and welcome into our homes. And we, we were all that once. And it's hard to even imagine or believe that that little child was born with this kind of a nature, the Bible makes it very clear that we weren't born good. We weren't born, you know, righteous. No, we were born in this, in this, with this sin nature. That's, that's what it's called the natural person in the flesh, which is exactly, exactly why Jesus says, listen, if you want to bear fruit in your life, you can't do it here. You've got 
to be born again. Now, I know some of you and most of you are looking for another option. This human nature thing is just not enough for you. You're not satisfied with that. And the reason I know that is because many of us are looking for a new beginning, right? We want a fresh start. And so we make resolutions to try harder, to attend more, to read the Bible more, to do my best, to show up, to be a better version of me, to turn over a new life, make no goal, make new goals and achieve them. And listen, all of that is good. I'm a goal setter. I always want to improve myself. But if we do all of that within, within the context of the human nature, it's going to be short lived. So, so Jerry, I don't know if you noticed this, but Planet Fitness and why they all have great memberships at the beginning of the new year, right? The gyms are full, right? Give it another month, right? Give it another month, six weeks. We're going to be back to no, see, see if you make all these efforts just on the basis of our human nature. It's not going to stick. And, and so what Jesus says is, no, there's a new nature that I want, I want you to roll with and, and have this fruit just kind of come out of your life as a natural byproduct. Is there anything wrong with making all those things? It's just that it won't stick. It's not, it's not about making your flesh better. It's about being born again. Now, that's one way that you can choose to live your life, just according to the human nature, striving and working and resoluting to, to, to make yourself better, better version of me, my human nature. And again, we can do a lot of things with that, but it will fall short of much fruit. The human nature can bear some fruit. There's no doubt about that because you're right right now. You're thinking, man, I know, I know people that aren't even Christians, right? That bear some of that fruit. Yes, that is possible. You can bear fruit out of your human nature, but what Jesus calls us to do is bear much fruit. And that can only happen out of the spiritual nature. So the second way that you can choose to live your life is to be born again, to live with this supernatural change of nature. Now, Nicodemus is going to ask another question that maybe some of us are also asking at this time. How are these things possible? How does this happen? Okay, understand this born again thing. I've heard you say that over and over again, but what does that mean? I love how Nicodemus responds to, G or Jesus responds to Nicodemus. He says in verse 10, are you the teacher? Seriously, are you the teacher of Israel? Like, are you the top dog here? And yet you don't understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you don't receive our testimony. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? He's kind of trying to reason with Nicodemus. Nicodemus, you're not even getting the simple things. How will you understand the harder things? And then Jesus said this, no one ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the son of man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. And now with those last couple sentences in that text, you might be saying, you might be thinking, what in the world is Jesus talking about? What is this snake on a stick thing? So here's what this is. He's referring to a rather obscure passage all the way back in Numbers chapter 21. And in Numbers chapter 21, here's what's happening. There's this guy by the name of Moses who was called by God to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt, uh, out of Egypt, out of their bondage and into the promised land. And they're following Moses. They left Egypt and they're into the promised land and things are hard. And the people begin grumbling and complaining against Moses, even to the point of saying things like, Moses, we had a better back then. Why didn't you leave us back here in Egypt? Because at least we had food to eat, we had jobs, and, and, and we had you know, a paycheck coming in and all that. Now we're out here in the wilderness, we don't have anything. Like we're just following you, and it doesn't seem like we're getting anywhere. And they're grumbling and complaining. You know what God does? 
So God, God brings in these fiery serpents, these venomous snakes. I kid you not, this is all in the Bible. He brings these snakes to come into the camp. These snakes started biting the people and they started dying. Isn't that a great story? <laughs> I love it. So, so, so I made a mistake last night. I said, so here, here's what you do, parents. If your kids are acting up, right, during the day, read them this Bible story at night, right? Read them this Bible story and then just say, hey, this is what God does to bad little boys and girls, right? He brings snakes in to bite them. And I had a couple of parents come to me last night and said, that was not good. So anyway, forget that. Kids, if you're in the audience here, don't listen to that. God's not bringing snakes in to bite you. But so in this particular case though, Moses was like, hey, these people are sorry. I mean, they're being bit. A snake bite will do that, by the way. It's gonna make you sorry for what you did, especially if you recognize that as, that as the judge. And so these people are coming to Moses and saying, man, we are sorry about this. Can you go to God and pray to God and tell him to take these snakes away? And so Moses, in his compassion for them, goes to God and, and uh, says, God, man, these people are really, really sorry. I mean, they're sorry, and they want these snakes to go away. And God says to Moses, here's, here's where this comes from. God says to Moses, okay, here's what I want you to do. Create a replica of these snakes out of bronze. Put it on a pole and lift it up, and everyone who looks at it will be healed. I love that. It's so easy, isn't it? He's not saying, hey, give these people a test. They have to pass this test in order to be healed. He didn't say to them they have to pay penance or you know, pay the price for this. He didn't say, hey, take them through a church membership process for like a couple months, and then if they, you know, if the elders recommend them, I'll heal them. He didn't say, no, hey, I want you to follow, I want these people to follow Moses for six months without complaining, and then they'll be healed. No, all he said was, look, look at the serpent, and you'll be healed. Now, what I love about this, and, and hang on to this for a moment, because this is so good. Jesus just indicated that this bronze serpent was a foreshadowing of him. The serpent, a symbol of sin and judgment, was lifted from the earth and put on a tree, which was a symbol of a curse. The serpent lifted up and cursed symbolizes Jesus who takes away the sin from everyone who would look to him in faith, just like the Israelites had to look to this upright serpent or symbol in the wilderness. Jesus says, all you have to do is look at me. Look at who I am, right? When we looked at, when we were in the book of the Revelation, right, we saw heavens open. Right? Behold, behold, look who is on the throne. Look at who I am. Look at the cross. Look at what that means. Look at what I did for you. You don't have to work at this. You don't have to pass some kind of a test. You don't have to have this six-month testing time. You don't have to pay penance. You don't have to pay me anything. Just look at me. Just look at me. I'm the one who takes away the sins of the world. And when we look at him in faith and receive him for what he did, listen, it's when the, that's when the supernatural change of nature goes from just this natural person to being a spiritual person. Because now you have accepted and you have received the Savior and the Spirit of God into your life. Jesus says, just look at me. Look at me. That's all that's required. So easy. So you don't have to work for your salvation. Listen, you don't have to pay for your salvation. You don't have to go through a testing time. No, no, Jesus says, just look at me. I've been lifted up on that cross. And that cross, me on that cross with my arms outstretched is a symbol of all that I've done for you. I've healed you. 
taking your sins away. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become what? The righteousness. It's that new nature. It's that that supernatural new nature that comes into us. No longer are we living now working and striving and trying to work really hard, failing and not failing, to, to bear the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit is the natural byproduct of the Spirit working within us. And so this is, the, this is the beautiful thing I want to present to you this morning. When Jesus says this to Nicodemus, he's in essence saying, listen, no amount of knowledge, no amount of moral performance, no amount of good behavior is ever going to change the sinful nature. It's not going to change you. No, you can try all that you want to to change this nature. In fact, I just remembered this, but there was a Wall Street uh, journal article back in 2011. It actually had the title, Can the Human Nature Be Changed? And I remember reading that. It went through a whole list of experimental research kind of things. The bottom line was, no, no we still have this basic nature. But the, the human nature can be changed. It's something maybe that Wall Street did not recognize. But it's when you look to him, allow that supernatural power of God to overwhelm your life. That's when it happens. It can be changed. Now, let, let me just say this. Maybe, maybe it can't because the old human nature is still there, right? So when you accept the new nature, you have the spiritual, supernatural nature of God now in you. It doesn't necessarily mean that the old nature is gone. That, that old nature is still there. So in that sense, yes, it has not changed, which is why we constantly battle uh, between the two. But here's the thing. What you need is a miracle. Jesus says to Nicodemus, you need a miracle. You need to be born again. You don't need to just change your nature. See, listen, we are, mis- we are not mistakers in need of a life coach. We are sinners in need of a savior. Never forget that. We don't need a little spiritual redecorating. We need a complete demo and, and renovation of the heart. And that's what Jesus wants to do. That's why he said to Nicodemus, you've got to be born again. I want to give you this new heart. I want to renovate your, your heart. So here's the thing. Like if you, if you have an orchard or an apple orchard or maybe just a single apple tree and you come to the end of the season and you're like, man, I'm tired of apples. I like peaches next year. So after you pull all the apples off the branches, you go out and you snap these little peach seeds on every branch, right? Peach seed here or there. Because next year you want peaches. Now, you know that's not going to work, right? That's not going to work. In order for you to get peaches, you need to uproot the apple tree. And you need to plant a peach seed from the very beginning, from the very roots. It's from the roots that peaches will grow. It's from the very roots of your life, the roots of your heart, that this fruit will be born. It's not by snapping on new things onto your new nature. It's not by adding a little bit of sin modification and behavior modification and image management and a little bit of this and that. You can snap all those things onto the human nature. It's still not going to bear the much fruit that God is calling you to. No, it's, it's when you uproot that nature and you be, you're planted. You're planted with this new nature, the very spirit of God. By the way, next Sunday, next weekend, I'm going to be talking to you about the Holy Spirit. And a dynamic adjustment in your life to the Holy Spirit, what that looks like. But listen, I don't want you to wait until then to make some kind of a decision. Here's, here's the question I want to leave you with. Which, which way are you choosing to live your life? According to the human nature 
or according to the new nature that God has provided for you. I'm telling you, you've got one life to live. We've got one chance to get this right. One life to live, one chance to do this. And I would just say to you, man, don't spend your entire life just striving with the human nature, trying to make yourself better. Over and over again, you'll you'll spend the rest of your life striving to bear this fruit. When in reality, you can accept that spiritual nature within you and you won't strive to bear much fruit. It will flow out of you. Your work will be feeding the nature, feeding the nature that bears that fruit. That's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to do. I want to just add one more scripture from Ephesians. and Ephesians kind of lays it out like this. Ephesians chapter 2 uses some hard language. And it says this. It says, and you were dead. You were dead in your trespasses. Kind of defines that human nature, how we were born. You were dead in your trespasses in which you, little, uh, which you once lived. Uh, let me just give you a little pop quiz. Can dead people respond? Last time I checked, no. Dead people aren't responsive to anything. Now, I'm going to say this. You may not like it. You may not even agree with it. But it seems to me like the Bible is equating the sinful nature, the natural person, with being spiritually dead. We don't like that, do we? No, but I think that's the case. But here's, hang on for a moment. I want to end with this. This has to be one of the greatest verses in the entire Bible. Ephesians chapter two, verse four says, in response to that, but God, but God, who is rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together in Christ. See, the gospel is not about making good people better. It's about making dead people alive. And that's what happens when you invite the Holy Spirit and God just to come into your life and say, God, I need this new nature. Man, I've been working hard. I've been striving. I'm exhausted trying to live this Christian life. I'm trying this over and over again. I get this far and then I I fail and I just can't seem to get these fruits right in my life. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to say, God, forgive me for striving on my own. I want you to move in and you do the work in me. That's it. That's how you get that supernatural change of nature. Yes, that natural person might be blessed with a very high IQ. You may have all the cultural and and educational significance in your life. You can have 15 degrees behind your name, but it will never change the human nature. No, it's only when you surrender to the very spirit of God and the nature of God that it will begin to change. So our text ends today with those words from John 3, 16, for God so loved you. He so loved you that he gave his one and only son high on the cross that if you just look to him, you look to him just like that serpent was raised in the wilderness. You look to him, accept him, receive him into your life, right? You will have that eternal life, eternal life. We're going to end in a moment singing a song of invitation. And I just want to, I want you to know that there's an invitation for you today to crucify the old nature and say, God, I want to live. I want to live according to this new nature that you've provided for me. As Paul once said, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but now Christ lives in me. Man, I want that for you. I want that for me. Let's pray together. And thank you so much for giving us this extremely plain and direct um, truth 
which simply, as, as you gave it to Nicodemus, right from your words to his ears, you must be born again. God, I pray that every ear in this room and all, watching online today would hear that as well. It's not an option. Well, I guess it is an option, but for us to see and enter the kingdom of God, it's not. You must be born again. So God, I know that many of us have been, you know, working really hard by trying to improve ourselves and make ourselves better. And man, there's, you know, nothing at all wrong with that. But God, my prayer today would be that we would just move from that though to this desire to bear much fruit that only the Spirit of God can do in our lives. So my prayer would be today as we sing this song, Jesus, I come, that we would come to you We'd admit our striving. We'd, we would admit that we're, man, we've been living a lot of our lives just in the flesh. But today, we just want to surrender that to the Spirit. And just in your own way, just breathe that out to God and pray that prayer. God, thank you so much for providing that for us. In your name we pray. Amen.